Welcome to Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts speaking, Frank. I am an active New York City police officer, and I'm part of Reps for Responders. I've had the honor and privilege to journey through the labyrinth with my other host, Jay, the real Jumpman Jay on Instagram. He's a veteran officer and also part of the SWAT team in one of the cities in New York. We would just like to thank you for journeying through the labyrinth with some of the great guests that we have had on the show so far. We will continue to make episodes with all the positive feedback that we have received. If anyone has any idea, topic, or anyone we would like to interview, please email us at repsforresponders at gmail.com. Reps for Responders is a nonprofit out of Rockland County, New York. We provide free open gym for all active, retired, and volunteer first responders, military, and veteran. Reps for Responders also has a weekly Zoom meeting, which is a support group every Sunday at 7 p.m. to let first responders and military let off steam or talk about anything that they want to talk about, positive, negative, or anything they're struggling with. Reps for Responders has five certified recovery coaches through New York State to help battle addiction and alcoholism. If anyone is struggling, please don't be afraid to reach out to Reps for Responders. You can find us on Instagram at reps underscore four underscore responders or visit our website at repsforresponders.org. Again, from myself and Jay, personally, we thank you. As a recovering alcoholic, I would like to personally thank you because you have kept me sober just for today. All in and have a great day. Welcome back, Inside the Labyrinth okay. Podcast, Season 2. Welcome back, buddy. Oh, we got a good one today. Frankie, bring him in, kid. Oh, man. Welcome to uh, Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. As always, I'm Frank. I'm a police officer in New York. Uh, today, it's actually, I'm actually very excited because uh, someone I looked up to for a long time, and when I was 19 years old, I would never think I'd ever be able to uh, talk to him like I am today, so. I'm really pumped up. Uh, last uh, episode, episode two, we had Brandon Lilly. Also, we had Afro Brutality. So that one was a, a fire. That one got real. I think this one is going to get very real oh, as yeah, well. So good. real quick, I'm going to kick it to my man, the one and only, the man, the Mr. Legend, Jay. It is the real Jumpman, Jay. I'm here co-hosting with my boy, Frankie V. Reps for Responders. Inside the Labyrinth Podcast, season two, like I said before. Um, we got a phenomenal guest today. Like I said, Frankie looked up to this man growing up. I'm a little older. We're around the same age group, so I can't say I looked up to the man, but I do admire his page. So, Frankie, with no further ado, bring in our guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're going to wake a lot of asses up today. So, I want to introduce my, de- my guest for uh, episode three. So, Corey, man, how you doing? What's good? What's good? I appreciate you guys having me on. And I was, I couldn't wait, man. You were like, yo, we're doing this. When can you jump on? I'm like, now this week i got time i want to get out here and rap i didn't even know that we was going to be talking music eventually like i'm ready to go Dude, i got time so, today, you know. dog. <laughs> yeah bro let's go what we get what we got frank what we got let's do it man uh we got we got Corey gregory for today so i'm pumped up as hell so Corey, give us a little background real quick how old you are where do you live and what do you do for a living right now 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'll be 42 years old this year. And uh, basically, I've been a fitness entrepreneur since I was 19. So, you know, I come out real humble beginnings, um, grew up in a trailer, mom having a hard time paying the rent, $150 a month, fourth generation coal miner. Um, and I was able to get a job right out of high school. You know, I just been lifting weights throughout high school. And my grandfather started me, started me when I was about 12. Got a job out, out out of high school in the coal mine, saved saved like 20G and moved to the closest city uh, to try to start my uh, kind of path as a fitness person. And, you know, growing up, there's no internet. I don't know anyone that does personal training as a job. The guy that owns the gym in my town, he, he, he has another job. So, like, there's not a lot of people that, um, you know, I kind of had to look up to except for, like, Arnold and people like that that I'm reading through the magazines. Because, like I said, the resources are pretty pretty slim at that point. but Man, I started this path as being a personal trainer when I was 19, opened my first personal training studio at 20. And over the last 20 years, all I want to do is lift weights to get paid. It just might have looked a little different from time to time. You know what I'm saying? So first it was personal training. Then it was in the supplementation, started multiple businesses. And I'm just super blessed, man, that I get to help people do what I'm passionate about and now really teach even more because now I've been in the game 20 years. And it's been it's been a blessing, man. Just to, just to be involved and do something I really I really truly love to do. Oh, beautiful, man. That's awesome, and it's uh, it is a blessing, and it's a blessing for someone to have that knowledge and be so powerful and share it like you are. You know what I mean? Like Thanks, you're, you really are one of those guys that leaves that ego before you get on that track and walk those lunges. You know you know what I mean? And every yeah. single step you take and you speak the truth, uh, you speak volumes. So thanks for that, man. Before. And then we're going to hit the coal mines. Before you hit the coal mines, man, how was, like, uh, how was life in high school? And Were you weightlifting then? Was it the, yeah. that's what you were all about? Or how was, uh, how was life growing up in high school with your friends and everything like that? Yeah. So <clears throat> when I turned 11, my parents split and we, uh, we had to move in with my grandparents. So my grandfather, who's 93 now, he was the one that kind of taught me how to lift weights. Now I remember my parents working out. Like my dad worked out. He's like, a little stacked Italian dude. And then my, my mom was doing like Jane Fonda, like a record workouts for real, like putting on records and doing like leg lifts and shit. And she yeah. used to do, she used to do wheel, the ab wheel, but with a rolling pin, like a bread Ooh. rolling pin. Like I remember, yeah. Right. I remember wow. that shit growing up. So that's taking it back. <clears throat> and so I, it was always kind of present. And then when he was like, yo, he was, he had been a coal miner too, but he was working construction. My grandfather built houses he come home. He's like, man, you gotta start lifting weights with me because it's good for it's good for the girls. It's good for sports and to build confidence. And it was something I could do with him because you know I really he's like six two, two forty five. He's a big dude, so I wanted to be big and strong like him. Plus, you know, I'm going through all the anger stuff, trying to figure out why my parents are split, like all that little kid stuff. You don't really right. know how to deal with, you know. Yeah. And so it was awesome to be able to spend time with him. And then when I started seeing a little bit of muscles pop out, bro, it was over for me. Right. Like. I seen that little shoulder muscle and I was like, I am in like in the way I was feeling and just like I fell in love with it. And then I couldn't read enough about it or learn enough about it. And it started a path to where I became between that and basketball, which I learned I wasn't going to the league. I became more obsessed about lifting weights. But those are the two things I worked the hardest at throughout high school. And like we talked about kind of before we got on the podcast, like because I kind of grew up in that humble beginnings. I didn't really have like a lot of little say like crime around me per se, mm -hmm. but the poverty is poverty. So it doesn't matter whether you're in the middle of the country in a trailer or you're in the hood in New York or whatever it is, you might have some different circumstances. But at the end of the day, you ain't got no money. Yeah. So broke you want to have something different, bro. Broke is broke. broke, is broke yeah. And so I was just like, 
that that late in mid nineties rap really kind of like spoke to me because I was just all about trying to get up out of what was happening. And I knew lifting was going to be it, but I just didn't know how it was going to look. But it was the only in study hall, writing workouts for my friends, you know, like that's all I wanted to do. So that, that really, you know, that and just watching people work hard in my family and some of them liked their jobs, some of them didn't. That's just kind of, but everybody was working hard and no one was telling me I couldn't do it. Yeah. But no one really could show me somebody that was doing it either. Okay. So you kind of like picked up your path. Like, so going through the whole, like the split with your parents and so on. Right. And then you mm-hmm. would, it almost was like a therapy session and you eventually found your passion and then you just kind of yes, cultivated sir. into your, you know, you put your own little swag on it, your own little drip. And then yes, sir. It, 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 you know, it turned into this. So I think this is, I think a lot of kids don't identify what their gift is, right? So, like, hearing a story like this where, you know, conflicted with whatever issues they have in their life, you know, be it like a socioeconomic situation or, like, something that's going going on at home, you know, this kind of gives kids that are listening or people that are listening, you know, a way to kind of figure out, you know, what their path is. Like, you, 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 you figured out what you truly loved and you just cultivated that into your own thing. And being like, you know, you're a very unique individual – you kind of, you put your own sauce on it and then now we have, you know, Corey Gregory. So I think yep. it's great for the listeners to, to, to hear that side. Cause I think what happens is people see like Instagram or they see like YouTube and they only see the highlight reel. They don't see the grind. They don't see, you know, what happened, you know, prior to you becoming this successful businessman, they don't, you know, yep. so when you, when you, when you remind people that, Hey, listen, man, you know, from a trailer park, you know, like you said, broke is broke. I don't care where you are anywhere in the United States, anywhere in the world, disenfranchised people are everywhere. I don't care if you're Bro. black, brown, yellow, whatever the color doesn't is. Matter. It, it doesn't matter. Broke is broke and you found a way to get up out there. So I'm going to salute you for that. My, mine might have been, been, mine wasn't in trailer park, but I was in a trailer on a road mm-hmm. that was, what that had nice places in the back. So <sighs> I was like the poor kid that lived at the front. Yeah. I got to tell you, it might have been worse because, you but. You to see the other side. Yeah. All the time. Uh, and my friends that I lived and I hooped with and played basketball with and mm-hmm. just played backyard football, they all had money. They all had four-wheelers. Not money. Like, the funny thing is the skew of money, they're probably middle class. But yeah. I was so below that level that I didn't really realize it, right? Yeah, there was so a it's like, I, but Yeah, man. But what it did for me, though, was, and I told this to some of my friends later and their parents. I'm like, well, yo, I'm at your house because you got the pool. You got, you got the new, you know, pumps or J's or whatever. Like I I'm buying that shit at your yard sale, like two years later because I can't jam on my foot into it. Like yeah, it was one of those things like they did, their parents didn't realize how much I was paying attention. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, yo, I'm about to have the fucking crib like that where people come to my house and I'm the one that throws the parties. Like it, it was like, I got to like witness it from the outside in and, and then, then go back to my trailer. Like, man, fuck this. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that actually even, I think it did more for me even than being in the actual trailer park where everybody's the same. I was actually out there where these guys weren't rich, but they were doing well because their parents had good jobs or their parents were together. But I was like the poor dude on the front of the road and I fucking hated it, man. (laughs) I feel feel you on that, man. Hustle and motivate like Nip said, man. Absolutely. Right there. And that's why you, that's who you are today, Corey. You know, you 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 took that as a kid, and you said there's something about you where you uh, you know exactly like you know how it feels. You didn't grow up um, in that rich town or whatever, and I think maybe 
you just saw the light from a different perspective and you took that the whole entire way. Um, and a lot of people need to know just because you, if you grow up in a trailer or you grow up not middle class, that's not your life forever. So a lot of people get stuck in a labyrinth and say, this is me. This is what, who I have to be for the rest of my life. And you're just telling yourself bullshit right there. And you're a prime <laughs> example for that. So thanks. There's uh, an, inter- thanks there's for, an internal uh, blueprint. You know, telling us that because Frank, I was saying there's an internal blueprint that you're essentially like your environment or you're born with because that's how your family operates. It's hard to break away from it, mm-hmm. but you have to work at it to break away from it. And I didn't want that to be my continual like generational blueprint. I just didn't want that for the next few generations. So somebody had to make a real hard break and I just decided that that person was going to be me. I like that. Uh, I love that, man. You, we talked about this on the last podcast. You decided to change the bloodline. Absolutely. And uh, you uh, changed the bloodline. Corey did. So that's great, man. Um, so talk about music and real quick. So when you're working out and stuff, what, what were you bumping and what was really getting you going? Yeah, it was always high school and making you focus on maybe you're in study hall and you're pumping pumping some music and you're writing these workouts. Who are, who are your go-to guys? Yeah, so like <clears throat> I was always heavy on like if it comes from like more like metal-ish slash rap, it was like Rage Against the Machine because it was kind of early, right? Because yeah. I saw – we were big Wu-Tang fans too, see, which is also – so you, I, I grew up like 20 minutes from Steubenville, Ohio. So if you guys, if you guys watch the Wu-Tang documentary, Ghostface and RZA – their, his mom, Riz's mom moved to Steubenville. So like there was a heavy presence of Wu-Tang around where I grew up. So that's a lot of what we heard. So it's like, they was literally like, you know, they was pushing drugs back there, but they was also pushing their tapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was a kid, there was a kid, um, I forget his name, but he was in Killer Army. That was the same age as me, which was like a spinoff from Wu-Tang that yep. was local. Mm-hmm. So like there was a heavy Wu-Tang presence. And like, I know, they talk about it in some of the songs or I think Ghostface got shot down there and like some other shit was going on. But that, that was all going on right when I was in between like eighth grade and high school. And so growing up, Wu-Tang was super heavy. I'm a huge uh, Ghostface fan. When he came to Columbus, I went and saw his set. I saw Wu-Tang and Rage growing up when they did that tour, even though it was only a short period of time. So between them and, and freaking Biggie and Pac, you know, I think Pac swag to me, like really – just like I, I gravitated towards it because I think, you know, you knew he was like all about like doing his own thing, but he also could do the Hollywood shit. So I loved that. Yeah. I loved Biggie because Biggie's lyrics were just so real and gutter. And then, you know, I had this girl I went to high school with. Her dad drove tour bus for Bones. So I got to go see their concert. So like all this stuff like really shaped me early. And once again, I think what spoke to me and what was weird because I live in, like I said, I'm from a coal mining town. So like I'm sticking out. I'm the you know, kid that's like dressing completely different, got definitely more of like an urban feel to me. And like people like really didn't understand it. They're wearing like John Deere hats and I'm (laughs) trying to wear, you know, I I got my hat signed by Busy Bone. Like people didn't really get it. Now here's what was interesting. There was only a group of about six or seven of us in high school that kind of operated and listened to this type of music. And so we were kind of outcast. All the females though, Man, I'm telling you, when I had some muscles and I was busting a little bit of a sag and rocking them Tommy Hill boxers, like they was vibing with it. So I was like, all right, I'm on to it here, right? I was like, I'm on to it here. I got to just stay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I just got to be myself. This feels natural to me, you know? And then when I moved to the city of Columbus, 
I realized that this was just kind of how everybody was right in the city. Like, and so it was a, it was a weird, like a going against the grain kind of vibe for me, really my, my whole kind of early high school career. Um, but you know, it ended up being just fine, but yeah, I definitely stuck out like quite a bit. So there are some challenges there. Um, for sure. I like the, I like the musical choices. Yeah. Outcast was huge too. I loved Outcast. Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. that was Andre like, 3000, just one of the greatest his, lyricists of our time. Man, come on. And, and his just style. And so I saw them in concert too. So like I was heavy going to concerts when I was a kid, man, that was one of the things we did. And you know, like music definitely shaped me. And I just, I, I can, here's what I love about music, right? The first time when I'm 23, 24 and I go buy my first S 500, right. Mm-hmm. And it's old. It's like a 93, but it's like, Big body bins, Big body it's bins money right dream. <laughs> it's everything I saw in all the rap videos. I'm driving that bitch home. Some like 80 year old person had it, so this thing was clean. clean dude, yeah. got, I, I put 20, I put 20 inch Giovanni's on. It was nasty. But first, but I'm driving home and I pop, you know, at, at that time the CD right in the deck. Picture me rolling by Tupac, Ooh. and I, I just remember putting myself in these shoes that when I'm 15 and I'm buying cars for, or when I'm sorry, when I'm 16 and I'm you know, I've got three, $400 I saved from bailing hay to buy my first car and my fucking door handles broken and people are making fun of me when I can't get out. What Like my door, every door was, every door handle was broken except for the back rear passenger side. So oh, I'd man. get gas, bro. And if my, I would try not to lift the door shut because if the door shut, I have to climb in through the fucking back sheet over. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like people, like that's why I like to share these kind of stories. And that's the shit I was dealing with. This is what drove me and it's not all about material items, but when you're wrapped up in the hip hop culture and you know, the mob movies and shit and you're in this trailer and you're thinking, man, fuck all this. I'm trying to get out and get this stuff. You know, you don't realize that's not the end all be all, but there's, it's cool to have a pursuit to want things. And it was like, man, I'm coming home as a personal trainer, you know, driving a old is a 93. I bought it in like probably shit. 2000, we'll call it five or something. But at the end of the day, I got an S five and I'm coming home. And I'm doing these little business meetings and stuff. And I pulled up one day and this guy, he was a jeweler. I'll never forget it. I get out and he goes, what kind of personal trainer drives an S500? I said, probably a really good one, yeah, I guess. I was going to say that. You got to say something <laughs> yeah, smart. Right. Yeah. So it's like all of those things, man, were part of this process. And every little win I would get like that. Um, it, it seemed like it related to parts of the music and how it shaped me or parts of reading about Arnold's work ethic and how it shaped me in part, like all this stuff, man, I was consuming, I was starting to live a little bit and it was, it was wild. It's still wild, bro. I'm going to go out on a limb and call you a visionary, bro, because <laughs> you envision all of these things and then you made it come to life. And I mean, absolutely. Like, I think that's, that's part of the process. I think people will negative like self-talk themselves, right? Like, oh, I'll never have that. I'll never have this. And that's not the mindset that you took. You like, listen, man, like, if I can, if I can visualize myself being there, then shit, why can I not have that? Like, <laughs> like, like you created your own destiny, and I love that type of talk because, like, you didn't let your circumstances dictate, you know, the outcome. Like my boy nope. used to say this all the time: you're born, you're born. If you're born broke and you die broke, it's because you, you, you created that choice. You always, Absolutely. you have an option to change that. If you sit there, it's and it, hard. But it's, you have the hard. option. Yeah, you have the <laughs> option, though. It is very hard. I'm not going to sit here and make it sound like it's easy, but, you know, you have an option. Like, we live in, you know, one of the greatest countries in the world, but you can come here with nothing right. and absolutely become something. 
Like, so I'm the, yeah. I'm the son of two immigrants and they came here in their early teens and created a life for their children. And then, you know, we have gone on and, you know, become successful people. But, you know, the premise of that whole story is that they came here with nothing and then they have things now, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's like, when I hear you talking about changing the narrative, like, yo, listen, I didn't want to be this kid growing up in this type of situation. I didn't want, I wanted to break nope. that, that generational curse, so to speak. I wanted to be the guy to kind of be on the forefront so that my kids don't have to go through the shit that I went through. And that speaks yeah, volumes about your character and the type of dude that you are. So like, I, I, try I to appreciate that. This. Thanks, man. I try to manufacture this narrative in my head. Like I want motherfuckers to be like grandpa Corey G fucking made everything different. Yeah. Like I want to be the one that's passing the presidential down. I want to be the one that's like people could learn from the financial IQ. Like the other day I had a conversation back to back like this. Mm -hmm. My mom called me talking about 5G stocks and investing in the stock market. My son, who's nine, had $50 for his birthday, came to me and like, dad, you know what? I know you I keep hearing you talk about stocks being low right now. What, what can I buy for this? And then we can put it in my, in my portfolio. Like, man, what? That's like powerful, the fact bro. that like if the generations are being changed on both sides, that my mom's highest paying job she's ever had is doing customer service for my website, bro. Like it's like literally shit's completely different. Mm -hmm. And, and that's really like even past what I could even envision. Mm -hmm. And so that's, what's so crazy. But when you get onto this and like we said, you have these visions. I used to always like double check myself. Like when I would get down or whatever, I'd be like, why not me? Yeah. The fuck it, why not me? Because everyone has had to say that that has broke through. They've had to say, this motherfucker's must ain't, you're like, I would never say like this person is not better or this person is better. I'd be like, all right, they figured out something I didn't figure out yet. Mm -hmm. Really what it comes down to, you just got to believe in yourself Self. at another level on all those days. And even it, like, I don't really have the super highs and the super lows. I just keep that bitch in the middle. And yeah, I'm going to go a little bit on the line the, above and a little below. But that consistent, man, for 20, 20 plus, bro, I've been coming in every day, you know, just pushing for what's possible. And it's amazing if you just keep pushing up and you just don't let up. My, my uh, stepdad who got me the job in the coal mine used to say all the time, like, yeah, you know what? These dudes want to mess with me. They better pack a lunch. Yeah. It's going to be a long day. <laughs> and, that, and that's the truth. Like, you know, you want my spot? Come get it. I was up at three today. I'm going to be up at three tomorrow. I'm in here putting that work like, in. Yeah, that's absolutely. my competitive nature of, of how I got here, you know, because I'm not going to lie. I think part of it is you never want it to go back that way. Exactly. So you got to keep pushing. Now I know if I just look at the numbers, it ain't going back that way, but I don't want it to. And, and that, and I still love what I do. So it's like combined with those two things, man, that is the sauce. That is like, Ooh. there's a fire to it. That's like, that's hard to fuck with that to be straight. Like you got to really be, you got to be really, yeah. I like that. Oh man, I'm taking that. That's going down in the notebook. Man. That's okay. That's Tweet it to me later. Sauce right there. Yo, because you know it's 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 like um you know Frankie has been able to get all these like illustrious guests right, and then the the you know what the common theme is, consistency over a long period of time, compound success. That's yep. like every dude that's that, that that's great. They did it over a long period of time, took the highs, took the lows, and then just equaled success at the end of the day. And the, the only difference between a successful person and a person who's unsuccessful is the, the successful person didn't give up. They didn't get sidetracked by yeah. the bullshit. That's nope. what it comes down to, I man. I really don't have, like, I don't entertain drama in my life. I don't fuck around with people that ain't, like, 
Like I have people that aren't as like, you know, motivated as me per se. Like, I don't think I'm better than them, but I just don't like allow people to steal my time. I don't allow people to like bring me down. Like I move like a ninja, bro. You either fuck with me or you don't fuck with me. And they know where I'm going. That's it. And that is true. That is just the fact of how you deal with me. And you either on the ship or you ain't on the ship. And if we're just friends, that's cool. But like, I'm probably not going to call you on Thursday and spend 20, 20 minutes asking you how your day is unless we've been like real homies for a long time. I just, I'm a motivated dude and I'm, and I'm pushing, you know, to push myself and push my family to another level. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. Some people get tired, tired by just hearing all this stuff, but I'm not tired doing it because I, I just, the passion and the, um, the push has just been there for so long and it worked, bro. So if oh it God, works, why would I stop now? <laughs> why change? Yeah. yeah. If you're on the course, if you're on the course, why change the course? Yeah, and a lot of people. If it ain't broke, don't and, try to fix it. Fuck it. Ain't, absolutely. Shit. Just keep executing. Just keep executing. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And the consistency is key because even when we had Brian Shaw on the podcast, Corey, Brian was like, even if I had a bad day and nothing was going right for me, I know I walk into the gym, a 500 pound bar is still a 500 pound bar. And if I can get a little victory, a little victory in the gym or a little victory somewhere in life, yep. I could take that as a win, even though everything else went wrong. I got one little victory as a day. I'm going to take that little victory today at the end of the night and now use that towards the next day. So Love it. A, lot of pe- a lot of people need to hear that. And that envisionment also is so powerful because when, like, for example, when I was training for college football in Cortland, I don't know if you ever heard the app called 8Tracks. 8Tracks used to be old school app before Pandora. So okay. it's kind of like Pandora. Shit, I don't even know what yeah. So eight tracks, right? I know what eight track is, but I never heard that. I know what eight track, track is exactly. Actual eight track yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. It, it was it was an app, so like Pandora. So you put in whatever you want to hear, and it was just a bunch of different uh, like music would come up. So I put in bodybuilding motivation, mm-hmm. right? Every time when I was training for uh, for Cortland football, I had to do a mile to three miles a day. Then I had to do my workout every Tuesday, Thursday was speed and agility. And I was following bigger, faster, stronger program. Sure. Um, Everyone was then. Every Yeah. So, but every time I, I swear to God, bro, for like four months straight, no matter the, t- the time, the day, the weather, eight tracks motivation. So I put it in, who comes up, Arnold Schwarzenegger speeches, my man, Greg Plitt, and the yeah. one and only, they had Corey Gregory on there. And right. that's where I started getting, all right, I, I like this guy. Who is it? Follow, cool. You know, started following this back in 2011, 2012. That was the seed, Corey. And this is, that was the oh, seed. Right I, didn't even know, I didn't even know I was on that's that. How that's it came, good. Seed. Yeah, that's how it came, man. Then I started YouTube, and you know, when you make the old school videos, this is when you're yep. on the Marshall Farm, and you're going to the track and all this stuff, and that's how I got to know you. I'm like, oh, man, just like, you know, just from when you were talking about Nipsey, his interviews, yep. that's how it was, like, for me. Like, that's cool. I have no idea who the hell this guy is. And the motivation was unbelievable. And um, every day, man, no matter what, I listen to the same, like, you know, you, you, you're like, the motivation is always there. And it's like, I'm doing the same thing. I listen to that same eight tracks track every single run. That's what's up. That's where the empowerment came from, man. And the vision was all you guys talking and you're talking like uh, Arnold, you, Greg Flit on there. And it was just like envisioning that, envisioning that. All right, I'm going for my run. Now it's all closer to the season envisioning on the field and all that stuff and walk on and get uh the uh special forces play of the week the last week man and i was like holy shit this is this is what it's about like these guys weren't lying you know so yeah. i want to really i really want to thank you for that man. no dude that's awesome you know it's funny as i ran into greg young too like we um we had the same agent in new york actually when we were i was like 20 maybe greg was like uh, he's like a couple years older than me 
Um, and we ran into each other a couple of times. We don't know each other that well. And we kind of went different paths. Like, you know, Greg obviously was in the military and then, um, did the whole cover thing where I went to building businesses and then come back around into the cover stuff. Right. And then right before he passed away, I'd seen him in LA. We were at, um, it was like a launch party for something and we didn't get a chance to talk, but it was only a couple of weeks before he passed. But I had a, a ton of respect for Greg and actually he's the one that inspired me to do the website. Greg was on the forefront of that, like from a standpoint of like the membership site. So a lot of people don't know this, but my web guy is Greg's old web guy. He wouldn't work with anyone else until Greg passed away. And I, it took me a while to find him, but I found him. I said, look, man, you know, I, I knew Greg a little bit back in the day. We have a similar size audience and I need someone that knows what's up. And so I've been working with him since 2015. So there's a little crossover there. And then, um, with Arnold, you know, I, I was I became Arnold's business partner in 2000. I think it was 13. Yeah, it was in 2012 or 13. And I've had a relationship with them ever since. We're not business partners anymore, just friends. If I go to his house for Christmas and see him every year here at the Arnold, and his like mindset's so crazy because I obviously you know pushed and really uh, you know went way outside what I ever thought was possible. And then you go to Arnold's crib, right? And you're like. <laughs> His ceiling, there is no ceiling, right? right? He has no ceiling to life. And the times I've spent with him and the interviews I had with him and just, you know, going out to breakfast with him and chatting it up and just like hearing his like, bro. And one of the best things the advice he gave me was after the whole muscle farm thing and I left and he left and it didn't kind of end how we wanted it to. He was like, look, man, he goes, it's all about how you stand back up. That's where the respect is going to come. And he never changed the way he dealt with me after we got through a little business stuff and you know, and I noticed like in the industry as I came back to the Arnold rebuilding, you know, with Johnny Max effort and doing the Corgi fitness thing. And I had signed with Reebok and I was doing all these things and people were like, yeah, this dude ain't going nowhere. And I wasn't, I wasn't just a one hit wonder. I'm here to stay. I was a big reason why that thing did what it did. And, you know, Arnold was very helpful throughout that whole process. And he would tell me stories like, yo, when I came here, I didn't speak the English. I didn't speak English. You think all these bodybuilders, like you see all these pictures, you think them dudes wanted me here? I was here to win everything. Mm. They didn't fucking want me here. Right. Joe brought me here to be basically the king. Like, And so he shared a lot of things with me that was really beneficial. And to this day, I'm really good friends with his son, Patrick. And, you know, I just, anytime I'm around Arnold, it changes, it changes the game because it makes my brain open up even bigger. Crazy. Yeah. You talk about his house. Doesn't he have like is it two llamas or two donkeys in that house? He got two like, donkeys. That's yeah, that's it's crazy. Man. His crib's his crib's crazy, bro. I mean, donkeys? it's like, and then you're well, you two know, when you're there, <laughs> when you're there too for like Christmas, bro. Like I remember the first year I was there, he had just done a um, movie with Terrence Howard and and Joe Manganiello, and I'm like going to the bathroom, and I walk past Terrence Howard, and you know, I had just watched like Hustle and Flow or whatever that one he did with Fifty, and I was like. Shit, that was Terrence Howard. Then I walked through the kitchen and Clint Eastwood's standing there. Oh, then I see Sly. God, and I'm like, I mean, dude, yeah, it's like star. Because like Arnold's like a star in Hollywood yeah. with stars. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's, And these is just like his friends that is chilling. You know, James Cameron from Terminator. I'm just like, Iconic. bro, like what am I doing? And so, you know, the first time I'm there, I'm literally, I'm on the back porch. He's got a hand guy that does hand rolled cigars. And I I'm actually smoking. You posted, man. Yeah, man. That. I'm back here smoking a cigar thinking. That damn, like, I'm here. Like, yeah, it's happening. Say, you know, know what I'm saying? I, I know you were sitting there with the stogie like, I fucking made it. I fucking man, made it. It was crazy. Oh, it was a crazy man. thing. And then to, to be able to mature that relationship. And, you know, usually when I go to Cali, um, 
during uh, Christmas. I get to train with them once once a year or two, and it's just like being going set for set and all that with your idol. It's it's wild, bro. It's like almost like you're living a different life. That and I think that right there is a definition of business is business. Don't take it personal. Yeah. Um, and I think Arnold really hit that. And it's the same thing with policing, Corey. Once you start going out there, man, and you start taking that stuff personal and you start taking it home, yeah. subconsciously, you don't even know, but you've already lost. And that's why being aware of being, being aware of being aware is yeah. what you need to be aware of because those, that, those thoughts and those actions, man, that can bring you down the dark path that you ne- never want, you might not want to get back, man. And yeah. I'm really sure, glad. Man. I'm really glad you said being that. Aware of being um, aware. I like that, Frankie. That was a gem. Being kid. aware. Of being aware. How you? How you doing? So. <laughs> uh, so take us. So now we're gonna we're 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 still in your labyrinth, Corey. We're going back out of high school, and now right when you graduated high school, did you hit the coal mines right away? So I worked in. Uh, so first, I worked in a sawmill. So I was. Uh, so what I did was I stayed home to go to community college originally because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to take on a bunch of student debt because we didn't have no money. So I was like, how? I remember getting my financial aid. I was going to go to University of Cincinnati, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to lift weights, but they didn't really have a program for that. I'm like, how the hell am I going to pay this 14 grand back for one year plus right. living? I, I just didn't make, to me, it didn't make any sense. Like I've never even seen 14 grand before, let alone I, I had like any reason to take it on his debt right like mom we didn't own a house or nothing like mom, we didn't have anything really so like it just didn't to me i was like man this just doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me so i stayed home went to community college and i would go to school from 8 to 12 and i would stack lumber from 1 to 10 and dude that was so boring it was unbelievable and i did that for like a whole like semester or two and then my stepdad was like you know they're bringing on college help at the coal mine and it was literally double the pay that I was making at the um, sawmill and I could work as much overtime as I wanted. And they was knocking out between 70 and 90 hour weeks. So I remember my biggest paycheck, I worked 93 hours in one week. And so I, you know, obviously wasn't going to school at that time. And the way it switched from, I don't know if I was on quarters and I went to semesters when I moved to Columbus to get my one year personal training thing, but like whatever it was, there was a, there was a big span of time where it was like almost six months where I basically you know, kind of left school a little early because I knew I wasn't about to stay there and I was just trying to get in and get some money. And so I learned a ton because I learned, you know, I mean, dude, I was working so much. I remember one time I went to go see my girlfriend, which is now my wife. And I hadn't even seen, I was like nocturnal, bro. Like I had, I'd be at the coal mine by, you know, five in the morning or whatever. I would work doubles. I'd get out. It'd be dark. I worked in the dark all day. I went like probably like three weeks without even seeing the sunlight, legitly. So I like came out one day, I know I had to come out one time at the end of day shift and I was going to see Rachel. She lived in Cleveland. And so I'm getting my car and I'm driving. It's like 4 PM and my eyes are just watering and I can't see. And I pull, I had to literally pull off the side of the road because like I was all disoriented. I'm like, what the fuck? And I started thinking to myself, I'm like, I haven't seen the sun in like a month, literally. Like I didn't even think about it because you work underground all day. I'm there, you know, I get there when it's dark. I'm leaving when it's dark. And so that's how dedicated I was. Now, I didn't love it. I was good at it because it was kind of natural and fourth gen- generation, but it was like, it was a means to an end. And I just was stacking my money and I had paychecks. Like I had like five, six paychecks on my desk because I, I wasn't even a- around when the bank was open. I mean, it was like, Crazy. it was trippy, yeah. bro. So I did and- that for just long enough to get enough money to say, okay, ma, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move out of here, move to Columbus, pay for community college to get my... It's a one-year exercise specialist certificate at, at Columbus State, where I teach at now. I teach a uh, actually a content creation class there now, which is pretty cool. Oh, Twenty awesome. years later, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, so, 
yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty wild, but that was like my path to, you know, having my own money and having my own vision to get out to somewhere where I could give it an attempt to at least like roll the dice once and say, can I do this as a live, you know, as an actual living? And I didn't know. <laughs> I guess and it that, worked out all right. That consistency. I don't think people really understand how, uh, how that, how much consistency and dedication you put in because I remember listening to a podcast, it might have been a year or two ago, and you were talking about your wife where you're working in the coal mine, but you had to, your wife wasn't 10 minutes away, right? You had to drive no. hours to see her Two every, hours away. Every, every weekend, right? Yeah, I would try to go every weekend or when I would like, I would almost plan to wear, like if I would work like a late shift, I'd drive straight to her, cheer for like, you know, a half a day and then drive, get up early and drive just enough in time to get there as, as we would start work again. So it wasn't an easy process. I mean, I was in love though. I mean, I remember like I'm, try, I'm 20 years old or whatever. And I was trying to like kind of deny it, but you know, I couldn't really, to be honest with you. And so at the end of the day, I was like, look, I know my path. I think I got my girl and you know, we're just going to figure this out. She'd been, that's the other thing is she was so supportive, even though she didn't really understand all of it. She just kept believing in my craziness. And, and even today, like some of the things we've been through and things that happened, she just looks at me like, can you believe this? I'm like, I believe it, but sometimes it just far, far surpasses what, you know, I even could really conceptualize. That's the, uh, that, that's what this podcast is all about is like, the, like you said, the support, the littlest things in Huge. life, like support and love. And that's what the warrior's thesis used to kill the minotaur in the labyrinth. Mm. It's his girlfriend gave him a little bowl of yarn, right? So that's like your girl giving sure. you a little support. And when Thesis went through the uh, labyrinth, he just put down the yarn. And he, what did he do? He visioned. He said, you know what? I can kill the Minotaur. I know it. I can slam. I'm just worried about how am I going to get it back out of the labyrinth. Sure. You know what she did? She said, all right, Thesis, here's a little bowl of yarn. Go in. Follow, follow the yarn in. When you kill the Minotaur, follow the yarn back out. And that's what happened. So that's a little short uh, summary cool. story of, Again, what we just talked about on this podcast, vision, because the Minotaur was badass. He was killing all, all the Greek warriors. No, no one can stop him, but he knew that he can kill him. So where we go? The vision, the support, boom, and he came out. So that's really cool, man. Uh, I'm glad uh, we were able to, to hit that in one. So um, it was big. So when you were in the coal mine, too, was lifting, you're still getting after in the weights or not as not as much as you wanted to, or how was that kind of, did that make you feel like, oh shit, I'm working so much. And I, and since I'm actually getting a workout in the coal mine, I'm not really hitting the barbell or dumbbells as much as I want to. No, I still lifted. So when it was a bit, so I had a friend, I only lifted with him one summer, but he was a kid I grew up with and he had weights in his garage and he was back from college. So I would lift with him whenever we were able to connect. And if not, my stepdad lifted weights. So he had weights at his house. So I still lifted, but I definitely missed more sessions because of how right. I'm so tired. So I still lifted like, yeah, probably four days a week at least. And yeah, my lower back was crazy strong because the ceiling's only like, shit, bro, I worked in between like 38 and like 60 inches. Like, I mean, it's low. So you're bent over lifting block and shoveling and all this stuff. So like, that was probably the strongest I had been. Like, I've been stronger on the weights as I got older, obviously. But from a man strength standpoint, like, man, like my low back and stuff was wildly strong. Like, if you'd have grabbed a hold of me then, even though I was still probably way about the same as I do now, like, I definitely felt like physically strong because I was doing it for like 15 hours a day, bent over, right. you know? Yeah. It's crazy. And what were those workouts like? Uh, was it like bodybuilding? Were you actually following a program? Because you couldn't just go, all right, I want to go on Google and type in, all right, what did Arnold yeah. do for, uh, 
for getting ready for his show or whatever. You know what I mean? Was it no, kinda- but I used uh, I used like this old muscle mag from like the I think it was from like '96 that had the original Arnold splits in it. That that's how a lot of my programming came from, man. It was like the original golden era. I studied that, and that's why I think I I jive with Arnold so well. It's almost like I lived then because I had no other resources. I only read their stuff because that was the best possible. Like I didn't really get down with trying to think in the nineties, it was maybe like Lee Haney or something. Like I didn't really like fuck with him. So it was like, you know, still Franco, Arnold, um, those guys were everything that it Serge Nubre, you know, Sergio oh, Olivia, like those yeah, man, that's all the stuff I studied. So when I see Arnold, I always ask him about the guys no one remembers. This guy named Zabo that had these crazy abs. Like I'm like, what was Zabo's ab routine like? He's like, man, he used to do like a half hour of, of Roman chairs. Like we'd be looking over, we'd be halfway done with our training. He's still doing abs. That was like his main thing. So right. I try to hit him with stuff that I know that was like one of his most, you know, uh, favorite times I think that he's lived. And so a lot of times I'll bring up some stuff like that no one else will really even know, you know, which, which really sparks some great conversation between a, a guy that studied it like I did and learned. But yeah, I would just go through the old muscle mags, man. And that's, that's the splits. I, and I started to realize like, okay, man, how are these dudes recovering from this? Right. <laughs> Obviously supplements in the seventies is a little different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just a little bit. But again, you, you started taking, you were picking the brains of people and you were using that to learn. You know, yeah. you weren't just doing the program and doing it, but then you were also asking, why is he doing this? Yep. You know what I mean? So, um, so you're in the coal mine, you're working your ass off, you're doing your thing, you're driving two hours, you're lifting, you're just freaking living, you're living, you're, you're more than living, you're, 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 is, how do you say this? Are you, I feel like you're really work, in your mind, were you like, I'm working to live or were you living the work? I think I had such the, like, cause I already back had, then, back then, yeah, back then I had already had signed the lease. Like a lot of my friends had been at other colleges and they were all moving to Columbus. Did so that ever mess I, with your head? Uh, initially I thought I was a fucking loser straight up. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. cause that's what, that's what society makes you feel like. You're not going to right. college. You're a fucking loser. And on top of it, I don't got any money. So I really thought like I was a fucking loser. So I was like, you know what? Well, fuck, I'm not a loser, obviously. But I was like, when they all, they were at like UC and some other places, OU, they was all going to Columbus. There's like eight of us. So I had signed the lease and here's the other kind of thing. Everyone else's parents would co-sign. My mm. mom really, she couldn't co-sign or just wasn't really. So I had to pay for a year up front of my rent from my coal mine money because that's the only way I could even get on the lease, right? So, and I was paying for my own school. So school is cheap because it was a community college, but at the end of the day, like I'm writing checks for like thousands, you know what I mean? As a young dude and from all that work. And so I think I had a date that I knew I was leaving to start this. So I was all in on the work, motivated, bro. right? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it's to me, come. it was it's like come. Yeah. I'm already there for 14 hours. What's two more? I know I'm making fucking 20 bucks an hour because I'm in overtime. Like to me, it was all like a numbers game, and I was like, I knew there was a there was a there was a deadline to it. So to me, it was like I was cranking because I knew I was about to get up out. Gotcha. So that's the way I looked at it, and I knew that you know I was going to give myself my best chance if I had the most amount of money because no one was coming to save me. Right. It's just kind of like, you know, West Side versus the world. This is like Corey, versus, felt, bro. Corey versus Ohio or Corey yeah. versus the world. Yeah, man, <laughs> sink or swim, that's, bro. That's pretty cool. Corey yeah. versus the old situation versus the new one. I didn't even know it was possible. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what the Hero Journey is all about, man. This podcast is going through that journey and coming out, hopefully, because some people don't come out and stronger and a new Corey. They get stuck yeah. in that old Corey. And then you look It'd at it. It would have been guys, easy. Like, 
from high school that I still know. I mean, I'm 27, but you see them 10 years ago, I'm like, shit, man, they're still drinking and doing really still nothing doing and stuff like that. And it's sad. It's sad, man, because they can't get out of that. Yeah, they can't get out of that part of the labyrinth where they're stuck in the labyrinth, man, and they can't get out. And they have, and you know what? Asking for help or asking for advice, every everyone has a coach. Old Michael Jordan, look at what happened to him, right? Yeah. Everyone has a coach. And I know we were talking, Corey, that you even have a coach from Westside, right? That coach you Yeah, of course. So, to- Tony Ramos, um, one of the best OG lifters. I've had a bunch a bunch of those guys. I mean, Louis helped me too, but mostly the members from Tim Harrell, Joe Bayless, Josh Guthridge, Tony Ramos, George Halbert, Mike Wolf. Like I've had like probably, and they're probably forgetting a couple, seven to ten Westside guys. Matt, Matt Winnings helped me before. Like right. anyone I've reached out to, because motherfuckers know I'll put in work, right? They know I'm not going to break no world record, but they know I got work to me. So they'll always, you know, and then on the flip side, a lot of times I help these guys with business stuff too. So there's a shared relationship there, you know, but it's, yeah, that those guys, because they're extremists, I'm an extremist. I mean, I'm radical extreme. That's, that's how I live. So, you know, we don't agree on everything, but we can agree on that. <laughs> that's yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, what I'm getting from the combo is that uh, Corey's a student of the game. And uh, I am. It, it's like uh, all the greats study the game. You, you know, we watching, uh, you know, the last dance. My, like MJ, MJ was the same way as a student of the game. And, um, you know, what's consistent is greatness. What's consistent in greatness is you have to be a student of the game. You got to understand what you're getting involved in and the intricacies of the game. You know what I'm saying? And yep. the, like, I'm legit taking notes, dude, because this is going to help me Thanks, become Jay. a better, you know, like uh, as I'm, you know, aspiring to be an entrepreneur and, and you know, talking to guys like you, kind of puts a battery in my back. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because sometimes we get lost, you know, on, we all know, do, bro. Yeah, dude. And it's like, it, it the, the hardest part is getting, you know, realigning yourself back on that path because there's always something that'll knock you off your pivot. And then, you know, just trying to muster up the strength to get back to that, you know, that, that, that goal to, to you know, stay on, stay on that track. It's just, it's tough. But it, when, you know, when I have conversations like this and I hear dudes, like you went through it, you know what I mean? But still stay true to the game and, and kind of just, you know, kept pushing forward, put your head down, just kind of grinded and worked. And, and then it, Bro. the payoff was success. So it was like hearing this, I needed I this read today because I had a rough one this week, bro. So I, I got to thank you for hey, this. I got to read something to you guys. So uh, my new tattoo I'm going to get, um, it's funny because like I always wanted tattoos, right? So all these, my sister's all yatted up. Like she's got a bunch of tattoos, but I was trying to like, um, you know, for a long time I was trying to vibe with what did I want? I wanted something that was motivating to myself and that would push me every day. And so my first tattoo, I put, um, the coal miners crest and old school and old English on my right forearm. And that represented not just my gyms called old school gym, but the mentality of being old school and paying kind of homage to the old coal miners and my family and whatnot. Then my second tattoo is actually my great-grandfather who died in the coal mine explosion in 1935. Him and his uncle, or I'm sorry, him and his brother, which is which is my grandfather who taught me how to lift weights. He's his old man. So okay. when my grandfather was nine in 1935, he's 93 now, this guy was already teaching him how to lift weights, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And my chalk bowl at my gym is actually part of his old barbell because oh, wow. they used to be globes. So I've got the globe split in half. Like a half of my house and half of my gym, and that's our chalk bowl, right? And so, like that—that's like kind of the lineage of why the coal mining and lifting. Like I'm fourth generation, both actually, which is kind of wild. But this is my new piece I'm working on right now, is I'm actually 
And my, I hook, I, the guy who does all my tattoos is this guy named Jimmy Blue. You got to check him out. He's out of Cleveland, but he does a bunch of LeBron stuff and Joe Hayden, a bunch of athletes yeah, and stuff. You're yeah, yeah, a real yeah, cool dude. This dude. Yeah, yeah, he's legit. So I like this Lincoln quote. It says, to believe in things you can see and touch is no belief at all. But to believe in the unseen is a triumph and a blessing. Because that's really what it is. You have to believe that it's possible, but you can't see it and touch it. You got to make it come real, bro. Like that, that is like, and I didn't even find this quote until about a year ago, but this is how I've lived my entire life with a faith-based type thing. And, and it's like, because I, I didn't, I always expected it because I knew I'd put the work behind it and I believed that it was possible and I was relentless to it. And then underneath of it, I'm, I'm actually tattooing a picture of my old trailer. Uh-huh. And that's what, that's what's going on with me next because it's like one of those things, like once again, I wanted them to mean something daily. So when I have the down day, when I have the up day, when I have whatever the day is like, I can see it on me, bro, where I come from, what I'm about and how I got to this point and how I can keep it moving. And so that's my next piece. But that, I think that kind of vibe with what, what we were kind of talking about. So I want to share with you guys. Yeah. Thank you for that, man. Mm-hmm. That, that yeah, was really. Heavy. Thank you for that. And I'm going to start. That that I'm actually going to use for uh, that's perfect for sobriety, bro. Um, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. you're you can't feel, you can't see the sobriety, right? You know what I mean? I mean you can always see the booze, but you can't you can't see it because sometimes you don't even know if you've ever been there or not. Um, but uh, picturing it and like you know how does how alcoholics well it alcoholics have recovered from alcoholism, drug addicts have recovered from from drug addiction, so it's possible. So you know you have to vision Absolutely. that. Absolutely. But that quote is so powerful, man. Um, really, uh, I'm serious. I'm excited to put it on me. I ain't got a chance. I got to go see my dude. They're just opening back, you know, tattoo joints and stuff. So I'm gonna go see him soon and get it, get it yatted back on there, boy. I'm ready. That's yeah, sweet, it. I'm taking um, that. I'm taking that. Speaking <laughs> of Joe, uh, Joe Hayden, quick. Have you ever met Joe, Corey? I never met Joe. No. So I'm a Steeler uh, fan though. So I love that he's in Pittsburgh now. Yeah, he back in um 2000 and uh, where was I? 13. I was in Anguilla, which is in the Caribbean, very yeah. small island. So I'm with my family. Uh, this is back when, you know, vacation, of course, you know, a few drinks and hang out during the day, of course. Sure. So I'm, with my fa- I'm, fa- I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with my family. And we're like, yo, um, so one of the big hotels were there uh, where like Rick Ross did uh, Pineapple. Uh, what was mm-hmm. that song? Um, Dice Pineapples, and, baby. Uh, Dice Pineapple, yeah. Oh, okay. So we're like, oh, yo, like uh, we got like word in that LeBron was going to be there. So we're like, all right, we'll go there. We'll hang out. We'll see if he's there. So we're hanging out. And at the bar, uh, I go up to the bar and I order, uh, I order uh, Ciroc and pineapple. And I'm chilling and I see this guy with his girl. And I'm like, man, this guy looks so familiar. And I look, I'm looking at him, uh, you know, um, I wasn't even a cop yet. But I'm just like looking at him, trying to get a vibe for him, seeing what he's about. And I noticed there's a tattoo on his, on his arm. It's a Florida mm-hmm. Gator tattoo. So I'm like, oh, what's up, man? And he's like talking. He's cool. I'm like, oh, you play for the Gators? I mean, I played Division three football up in SUNY Cortland, but the Gators <laughs> is my, my – hey. Yeah, I'm not at your level, but the Gators are my favorite team, man. Like I, I, Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, like those are sure. my guys, Percy Harvin. Um, they go, oh, yeah, I played for them. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, man, I'm Joe Hayden. I'm like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> nicest guy, his girl, and, and I was with my, my whole family. So his girl and my mom were, were Vicen. I, mean, cool. I have a picture of me and Joe Hayden. I had the Yankee hat on. I had the Carmelo Anthony jersey. There it is. He was a really dope guy. Super man. New York, bro. Me, that, that made me, oh, yeah, got a rep. That that made me uh, think, think of Joe Hayden. And now that we're talking about uh, booze, Corey, what's your input on, I'm not even talking about alcoholics. I'm just talking about drinking and training, drinking yeah. and 
like uh, just alcohol in general and kind of uh, what's your take on it, especially with training and what's kind of really, what is your belief in it? Yeah. So here's the way that I look at it. I have friends that should never drink alcohol. Never. They have the personalities that they can't cut it off. They can't stop it. They act like different people and I've seen them lose relationships. And it just, there, there is some friends of mine that I, and I would actually check them like, yo, you just, nothing ever comes good from this. You don't understand moderation or you're not physically able to have it. So I think that's a thing that you have to recognize about yourself, right? I like drinking beer. I'm a huge Guinness fan. I got Guinness on tap at my house. I love dark beer, but I have regulations on, yo, I'm not going to drink on Tuesday because I'm not going to want to get out of bed. My training's not as good. I lift really heavy during the week. You know, when we're in the gym, I'm not trying to rip something off the fucking bone. And Friday night, my wife drinks Guinness too. Like we got a little pub in our basement. That's something we enjoy. We went to Ireland. We went to Guinness. Like that's so, so drinking is definitely a part of my life, but I also drink like two pints or if I drink, if I have a heavy day, I might drink four but you're not going to catch me drinking Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for no reason. So my whole thing is like, you got to have rules you got. And yeah, you might slip up if there's like a family event or something. But at the end of the day, I think that you have to be disciplined around it or like, here's a great example, dude, we're stuck in our house. I could drink every night. Yeah. Like no one's going to change my paycheck. Like I said this, uh, uh, I can do Apple whatever the sales. fuck I want, bro. But at the, 200%. Yeah, bro. But at the end of the day, I know the diminishing result from that is that my motivation is going to be lacking. My training is going to be lacking. My brain is going to be la- like, there's no way I'd be as sharp. So I just think you got to understand really how you operate with that substance. Cause that's really what it is. It's just right. the truth. Now I think by Friday, cause I'm, I'm high strung and wound up and whatever. Like I look forward to a, a drink with my girl and to chill out, watch some lost with my daughter or whatever we're doing right now, you know, <laughs> So, and eat some wings and try to enjoy myself. We did get kind of wild a couple of weeks ago. We was doing Irish car bombs and the whole nine, <laughs> but you know, but look, I, I think that at the end of the day, I've seen what, what, you know, alcoholism can do to people. I fortunately didn't have it in my family, but I knew people that did. And, you know, I think I would check myself if it got to a certain point, but look, I understand that, you know, not everyone has that ability. So if you can't help yourself from yourself, you know, Frank, with whatever you've had to deal with, like you, you got, you got to get help and fix it and just stay away from it. And that's just, and I don't really, I've never really fucked with drugs. I, I did just drinking beer and that, that's pretty much it, man. I just, I want to have control of my thoughts and I want to have, and I'm not like a control freak, but I don't want to be out of control for the fact of where I might act a certain way or, you know, not be able to be ready for the game the next day, which is my business. So it's just too feeling good is too important to me. That, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I understand how the body can operate at a high level and feel good. Natural energy, strength, look, confidence, whatever. When you intervene a bunch of that stuff in there, a lot of that shit gets out of balance. And I just ain't down with that. Yeah, that's, uh, I call it the rat poison or the devil juice because think of it like this. When you're at home, bro, right now, perfect example, you're drinking all the time, right? And you just said you got to get ready for work, right, Corey? Let's just change that. I got to be ready for life, bro. Because if I'm at home with my family and I'm drinking and I'm bombed and some, like you like to say, some motherfucker comes to my house and breaks into my house and I'm passed out drunk or I'm too drunk, then what? You know what I mean? So you got to look at it as as different. You got to look at it from so many different lights, you know? And I think you're the type of guy, let's say we've been friends since high school, right? And you know me, right? 
and I go to you and I want people to hear this because I don't want that. It, it's like, it's, it's 2020, man. That judgmental stuff. Like people are here to help people. Yep. Right. If I come to you, Corey, I'm like, yo, Corey, um, dude, I got to tell you something. Like I've been drinking, um, I used to be Jose. I've been drinking Cuervo every single day, man. I'm fucked up. Um, I keep spending money. I'm doing all this stuff. Like I need your help, man. Like what's, uh, you're I've had those calls, bro. And you're not, you're the type of guy that's like, probably going to say, listen, listen, MF, I'm going to help you, but I need you. I can't, well, number one is, and Chris Bell had this too, and it's so true, is you need to be honest. You need to be frank. You need to be yeah. frank with yourself. Because if you're not frank with yourself, you're not frank with anyone else, and it'll never get you anywhere. And you're the kind of guy that's going to be like, all right, you want to do this? Like anything. Just like a workout all plan. All resources, like a, bro. Like a nutrition plan. We're going to make the steps and just follow the path. And you're the kind of guy that, if I came to you, you're not going to say, all right, you're an alcoholic, fuck off, I'm not going to waste my nope. time with you. And well, I, no, I think it's I need not at all. Hear that. I, think I, no. I think people need to hear that from Corey. No, because here's the thing is, but what I'm not doing is about the right checks and motherfucking like enable you. Right. If you're about real change, then I'm Facts. about helping you. It's just, it just, it doesn't matter what it is. Same with motherfuckers that come to me for business. Like, don't be coming with a bunch of empty shit. I don't need you to go be me tomorrow, but have some action. Yeah. If you got action, then I'm going to help you. If you ain't got action, then you just stealing my time. And motherfucker, I'm going to spend it with my kids. Yep. That's it. Time, hey, time is the only it's just the truth. Time is the only resource you can't replenish, man. That's, bro, and, is, and I know what mine, precious, I can do the numbers, bro. Listen, I can do the numbers. I know what mine's worth. That's not being a dick. Right. That's just reality. Max, love that talk. <laughs> I love that talk right there, bro. Because like, people don't understand. When you, when, when you put it to them like that, they kind of look at you like, what? But it's the truth. They if think you you're a dick. You, yeah. They, if you know your worth. Why, why am I wasting my time with you if you're not putting anything, you know, you're not putting the wheels of motion to do anything. You're just talking. You know what I mean? Bro, here's a funny day, one, right? Just, you know. I'll give you this one, Jay. This is funny. So I live on five acres and there is woods, but most of it's grass. Like okay. just the way it's set up, the woods kind of on the edge of it. I don't own a fucking lawnmower. And I'll tell you why. It would cost me money to mow my grass. Meaning not just the, the actual money I'd put in the gasoline tank, but actually, I should instead of doing three hours, let's call it twice a week, mowing grass, yeah. people will think this is crazy talk, but I could be spending six hours on my business. Like, right. that doesn't make any sense in my equation at this point in my life, right? Then my mom, the first thing she said was, who's about the modus grass? I said, a service, not my ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that straight. I don't own a fucking lawnmower. Only purely, I don't like to mow grass. That's one fact. But it really has nothing to do with me thinking... I don't like to mow grass or I'm better. It doesn't make sense in the equation. Yeah. It just doesn't. Like I look at that period of time over a year or whatever, bro, it, I'm losing money. Absolutely. Literally it's a, it's a math equation. So when people, when people start to really value their time, like, and that's why I don't fuck with people that are late too. Oh. I just don't do it. You get one try. And if you're late, I'm probably not taking the next meeting or I'm probably not answering your phone call. Like I just have hard stops and it's the only way I've been able to do this. And this is, by the way, this is not being a dick. This is making people accountable because yes. just like MJ said, I'm trying to go to the top of my profession and my craft. And as a person, my best way possible, I'm either going, I'm not going to like, just like pull people. Like if I'm on a team, I'm going to keep pushing them. But at the end of the day, like if you don't want to be pulled and you ain't on my squad, I'm going to quit pulling. Facts. Right. Time, so, time, time is money. Friend. Dropping gems, man. This Let's is, go. This is. <laughs> let me tell you, bro. Like I, I always tell people that, man. It's like 
time time is like i said it's it's a resource that you cannot replenish and it's and it's unforgiving yep. if you waste it you know what i mean so it's like when you, when to hear like to hear someone have that mindset like cuz i i think like this shit all the time and i just people look at me like i'm crazy you know what i mean like oh yeah same like, like frankie came to me with a plan right so i'm like okay frankie had a plan he's like i oh, listen i you know i want to try to you know get my mission statement out so on and so forth Manny put boots to ground, you know, like, like, like Frank put boots to ground and and got shit done. So I'm just sitting here like Frank, Frank sets all of this shit up. And I'm just like, he's like, Jay, tomorrow, 11, boom, you there. Action, dude, action. And I'm there. And it's like, I'm like, damn, bro, this kid. And he's a young guy. You know what I mean? Like he's a young dude and he's, and he's He's passionate. Yeah. He's getting shit done. And I love it. I Frank's like, I, create, Frank knows how to create relationships, Jeff. Yes. And, See, I'm, and I'm a lot learning, of people don't understand. I appreciate that, I'm, man. I'm, yeah, you're welcome. I'm, I'm learning. It's I'm not learning everyone has my cell phone number, Frank. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Dude, or he, answers I, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy because, like, he, he just, he'll text me, like, Jay, tomorrow, like, and I'm like, Dude, how the fuck did you get this guy? He's like, hey, Listen, bro, I'm getting shit done. He just and I'm does. Like, hey, I'm like, All right, man, Frankie, I'm not going to question. Just go ahead. So he's just, well, but that's what guys like me respect is that push. Right. So a lot of people don't realize if you just ask most people that have respect like that are going to do it. True. It's the people that like, you know, are just scared or whatever. Like I'm not about to ask you. Right. What are you going to say? Oh, Corey, you want to hop on the podcast? No answer or fuck you. All right. Well, at least I, 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 then we'll never know if I didn't ask. Exactly. Dude, I ask stuff. I put in ask all the time, man. And you know, Sometimes you get them back. Sometimes you don't like, but dude, keep throwing those lines out. You just never know what's no. about to come back at you. That's you just never know. Like Frankie, he gets shit done. And yeah, no, it's I legit, will take my bro. hat off. I appreciate you know, that, Jay. And Jay, you're, you're you know, man. Puts me in conversations I, and rooms with great people. That's in, you know, it, it's enriching my spirit and my mindset. Like it, it's, you know, meeting Frank, has been a blessing, man, because I was kind of like in a place. Corey, you got any tissues over there for me, man? Hey. Ah! <laughs> it's, it's, it's true, though. It's I mean, it sounds like. Though, man. It's, you know, it's, I feel like God puts people in, in, in people's lives for a specific reason. And I kind of was searching for something. I needed to kind of branch out and kind of do my own thing. And then Frank kind of comes to me with this, with this whole, like, podcast situation, you know. And I was like, hey, man, you know, like, I'm kind of experienced with podcasting and you know, you're getting it, you, you know, you're getting the guests, but on top of that, it's like the things that we speak about, um, Bro. are touching people and helping people become better human beings. And that's what I'm all about. Listen, that, me and my buddy, John Fosco, we run a, a business in biceps is our podcast. And we done yep. spent two hours a week for five, four or five years. You just uncover, it's like a therapy session Man, slash dude. motivation slash like the whole, you know, you start being inspired by each other and we're business partners. So like we've uncovered and understand each other so much more because we then talk about real topics and childhood stuff and motivation and we both have our own kind of vibes. And so it's like, you know, this is like can really create a really, really good friendship slash business that's like a deeper level. Maybe the only way, and I would argue this might be one of the best ways to have like, you know, when you you have friends growing up, they know you. Like they was on your block or they was in your – in your town and you like grew up, you played sports with them, little league baseball. You was at the cookouts and they fight with them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're fighting with them, which I did with my homies too. And they know you. So even if I don't see them for 15 years, they still know me better than the dude that I met when I moved to Columbus. It's just the truth, right? Because they know Corey before all of this. I think podcasting like this has the ability for friends and and acquaintances to get to that level because you're never just going to sit down with Frank and go, 
let's have a hour deep conversation twice a week for the next year. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So this right. is a way that you can really get there with someone that you didn't meet when you was a kid probably or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And that's how I've got with John over time because I just know so much more about who he really is because of this format. Absolutely. Beautiful. And uh, the quick story is uh, in my building is all the, uh, I'm actually out of the whole old Fort Apache building. I don't know if you ever heard of that, Corey. Mm-hmm. Fort Apache is a movie with Paul Newman. Okay. And Fort Apache was like when the Bronx was burning, burning in the seventies when the crack went up, man. Okay. Um, and I think uh, crazy numbers, man. And anyway, so I'm in the Fort Apache building and all the detective units are in their homicide SVU. So I, I, I got, I talked to this guy in Grand Larceny. Mm-hmm. So Grand Larceny, he, the detective of Grand Larceny says, yo, I got this guy for you. Hit him up. Tell him what you're about. He's really into weightlifting. He's a great guy. I'm like, all right. It ends up being Jay. I reach mm-hmm. out to Jay. I call him on the phone and I just kind of broke my heart out to him. I'm like, yo, this is what I did. This is what I'm starting rest for responders because I don't want, and it's a nonprofit corporate. I'm not making a sure. time off. Yeah, yeah, of course. I don't want anyone to ever go through what I went through. And I know that I went through it, that I can try to help people don't make those same mistakes that I did. Because now when you're talking about drinking, how much, how much money, how much time, how oh, much yeah. emotional, um, emotional just drainage and baggage I used, man. And I wasn't drinking every day, right? I was drinking, going out with the boys. But when I went through my little, got stuck in my head, that, that's when I started drinking every, that's when I started drinking a lot, not every day, but a lot more. And I realized and what we talked about, I was, a, for some God reason, I was aware of being aware. Yeah. So when I, when I was going through my stuff, Corey, one of the hardest things for me was to self-diagnose myself into the farm, which is rehab. I, hard, about, bro. I volunteered and said, listen, I got to do it because I know me. Uh, here's a kid that was chasing 600 pound natural that I still never hit today at 181. Now I haven't worked out in three months. Now I'm not myself. I'm not making relationships. I'm not checking in on my friends. I'm not saying, how are you doing? I'm not even saying, Frank, how are you? I'm stuck. Yeah. So that is what I really am all about here because of the NYPD suicide rate was 10 last year and the, and the cops are killing themselves because they're holding this stuff in, man. And um, yeah. just by hearing these type of podcasts, uh, we've gotten some great feedback from people. I mean, I've gotten, like you talked about, I've gotten DMs from uh, cops in uh, Arizona, Nebraska, That's saying cool. hey, saying thank you. And I'm like, who are these guys? How do they even know I exist? I'm Touching lives, bro. a normal guy. Well, Frank, you got a big the hat on. a big purpose, bro. So that, that's where it starts. <laughs> I really appreciate it. that. And yeah. I want to go back to what you were talking about drinking, Corey. Was like, I heard this in an AA meeting. It was so powerful. Sometimes when you sit in an AA meeting, and I, I'm very proud of it because I can I'll, I'll admit sure. it, that I, I go to meetings still. And it, um, sometimes there's men's meetings, and then there's men's and female meetings. The men's meetings sure. are great. But this was an open meeting. And some things you just let go in your head out the other and you sit and you hear stories. You're like, wow, I thought I was messed up. I made mistakes. You hear these stories and you're like, holy shit, you're not alone. And that's the best feeling, right? And that's yeah. what Corey is talking about. Corey was, even though he was in the coal mines and doing his thing, he took that. And that's what AA is about. Elite FTS, right? Live, pass. What is it? Live, learn, and pass on. And that's yeah. what really life really should be. Um, and this guy's talking. He's like, He's got like 20, 25 years of sobriety. And he's like, you know what? After all these years, I realized, um, you know, we get cancer and we, we beat cancer. It always it could have a chance to come back. Yeah. We beat alcoholism. We beat it. The only way alcoholism can come back if we put it into our body. And, it was like, and I was like, wow, that's so simple, but so true. And not even for alcohol. I'm talking about any addiction, any type of food, any type of habits. It's like, 
the only way I'm going to get stronger is put a barbell on my back. Yeah. The only way I'm gonna, you know what I mean? To get a squat, what do you have to do? Uh, I forgot who said it. Squat more. Maybe that might have been uh, that might have been a West Side Barbell, but uh, Louis Simmons. But if you want a bigger squat, what are you going to do? You're not going to you're not going to deadlift. I mean, it's going to help probably a little carry over, but get you're stronger. Have, exactly. So I just really wanted to to put that out there. Um, before we wrap up, Corey, I want to hit one more question about sure. you and your this journey, which I, I was really just going to tell you. I got I got a dip. We can do a version two though, because I think we got a lot more to talk about. Oh, go man, ahead. I pre- we go appreciate ahead. that. Man. Yeah. Um, I really admire. Just take me really quick through your mindset of preparing for that bodybuilding show and the powerlifting competition in that short time frame, because that's just something I would love to do myself one day. If it's powerlifting, strongman, and something else all in one year, that's just oh crazy. the you trifecta. Know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you know. I forget how many, it was only a few years ago, maybe like 2016. Yeah. So 2016, I had the idea. I'm like, I couldn't find it on the internet. And I'm always, you know, in my craft, I'm trying to find ways to make myself different because it's very saturated right now with the space of fitness and IG and all that. I'm like, has anyone ever done a Olympic lifting meet, a powerlifting meet and a bodybuilding show in the same weekend? And, and I kind of got the idea because CrossFit does all that kind of stuff where they do multiple events, but I'd yeah. never seen anybody do that. So there was a bodybuilding show um, in my town, like, you know, maybe a half hour away. That was on a Saturday. It was a drug-free federation. And then I was like, I, I made a call to a friend of mine that owns a big CrossFit gym. And I'm like, hey, can you host a Friday night throwdown, like Olympic lifting meet, you know, clean and jerk and snatch. And then I found uh, our gym was hosting, was going to host a powerlifting meet anyway. I just moved it to Sunday instead of a Saturday. Okay. So here we go. You know, and I, and I started telling everybody, yo, I'm, I'm going to do all three of these in a weekend and see how I can do. And I was very nervous for Olympic lifting because I never really did it in front of people. To be honest, I would go to CrossFit gym every now and again and mess around. But I'd never land like a snatch in front of people like of any type of value. So like super nervous for that. I think I was, I was sweating so bad because I think I was so like, I didn't want to bomb out, like miss my first lift and the whole weekend be screwed. Right. I was a little nervous about that. And I'm light, like 175 to 178 pounds, I think at the time. And so anyway, I ended up making a couple decent lifts. I got one event out of the way. I get up the next morning and I'm pretty dry. I get second overall in the bodybuilding show. And then I get up on the third day. And man, Sunday, I'm feeling like a train wreck. I'm like in the, in the warm up room, like fucking everything's feeling heavy. My chiropractor met me at the gym to like adjust me, but I ended up squatting 500 pounds at 178, deadlifting 500 pounds and benching 300 pounds that day. Yeah. So 1300 total at 181, um, on my third event, you know, in a weekend where I'm super lean and it was just something I call it the muscle trifecta. It was super unique. I don't, I think people could do it better than me, but no one has ever done it except for me. And so it was like kind of a little way I could leave my mark on something that was unique. And the mindset was, you know what? I fuck it up. No one else has tried it. So let's just give it hell. But a lot of people know me from it too. And it, and it definitely widened my audience and people respected it. And it was, it was a really, really cool, unique experience. And I'm going to do it. And that's what we talked about. If I don't ask, I'll never know. If I don't do it, I'll never know. So yeah. Amen to that. All right. Um, Quick little uh, rapid questions to, for our listeners to get you to know you more, man. What's your sure. favorite movie? Goonies. Oh, ah. shit. Okay. Hey, you, got, hey, you guys. You guys. <laughs> yeah. I love the treasure hunt, boy. Oh, man. Like that. That's great. Um, <laughs> which, if you have one meal to eat for the rest of your life, what meal is it going to be? Every time, every day, no matter what meal it is. Oh, like doesn't matter, cheat or regular. I'd eat tacos. Tacos? Tacos. Yep. I'll take it. Uh, if you have one person to meet, 
dead or alive, and I mean, as in dead, uh, they they can be back. You know, back to Andrew Carnegie. Hundred percent. That's my guy. Him and Napoleon Hill, all the Andrew yeah. Carnegie stuff. Like, plus, I grew up in an area where his his name was kind of a lot of places. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Andrew Andrew Carnegie, a hundred percent. That dude was a G. I got one question, bro. Sure. I need to know your top five rappers, please. I need to know mm-hmm. if top five, dead or alive. It definitely has that list. Dead or alive. Dead or yeah, alive. Yeah, so, man, I've been, uh, obviously, Pac and B- I think Pac's probably number one for me. Okay. It's like Pac, Biggie, Ghostface. Ooh. I love Ghostface. Because Ghostface is like, it gives me chills. This thing. His lyrics is so, is so dirty. Like, I've got super motivated by listening to Ghostface. Okay. And I listened to a lot of Ghostface in high school. Gotcha. And then, honestly, like, man, Nipsey's really really come come up there um and it's easy because obviously he's gone um but i would say he's like five or six but trying to think who else i really listen to on a regular basis but i I know like Pac and biggie was heavy and the funny thing is like i respect and love that's our era so yeah i mean that's our era so it makes sense and i respect and i love jay-z for just uh, overall what he does but i don't really listen to him a lot like he's not somebody actually you know who i listen to a lot of right like a little bit older than high school was 50. I was super mm-hmm. motivated by 50 and That's actually right. was real close to trying to get him involved with MP. Like that was a serious push of mine. He even signed a pair. I met him once. He signed a pair of my brand new G units I had on that day. Um, sneakers. Back. So it's like, so I would say um, it's probably Pac, Biggie, 50, um, Ghostface. And and I would have to go with Nipsey. I'd say oh, that's my that's top five list, right now. But I loved it. But well, honorable mention, Jada Kiss, though. Like I'm a sneaky Jada Kiss fan. <laughs> Um, I, was for for sure. I was waiting for the Jaden. Yeah, but he's that. he's not like. But I I only know like and really love a few songs. I'm not like deep in his catalog, so I yeah. can't really rep that I am. But those other guys, I, I am for sure. Uh, and what about a, a a trailer boy? You you mess with Eminem? I don't. That's what's funny. Like ah. people always expect that because that makes sense. I was expecting that, yeah. But I never. No, I I don't. I never. I, I once again, I respect and love Eminem for what he represents. And like Eight Miles, probably one of my other favorite movies, to be honest. But I never really fuck with his music. It was never. I don't know. I just never really vibed towards. I vibed towards what he was doing, but he wasn't really speaking to me like some of these other guys. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah. I got yeah. that vibe when we like pre-podcast when we were talking. I already got that vibe. That's why I knew M wasn't coming. So. He's not even there. Nice. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like if people expect that to be number one, I think maybe because I'm white. Yeah. I don't know, but, yeah, but it doesn't, from, it never really in the trailer park, I guess, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, but just from having that conversation with you pre-podcast, I was like, this guy's about real hip hop. So I'm not saying M's really? not, yeah. but yeah. you were just, you came up in a different time. M wasn't really around when we were listening and coming nope. up. So when we were young, yeah, bro, so it doesn't really, you know, seep into the soul like that. So nah, I, I respect no. the list though, brother. That's cool. And Ghost spaces five. though. Hey, Ghostface's rhymes is like you, you just. I was just listening to Nutmeg the other day when I was lunging. I was like, this stuff is. So, and when I saw him in person, he's so the Iron Man bro. album is like, oh, he's so the, overlooked. The and Iron like, no Man. one ever brings him up. You know what I'm saying? And the fact dude. that you brought him up, and I know you're a real hip hop head because you brought that up, dude. Ghostface, that Iron guy. Man album, I lifted so many weights to that Iron Man album, bro. Man, so uh, good. That's that's one of my favorite albums, bro. So so good. Preaching All right, I gotta go, fellas. Sorry, I I, I need All to right, wrap bro, it. My bad. All hey, right, Corey, I appreciate you know y'all. Thank you so much, right, man, man, for uh, coming one, on the show. It means more than anything. Thank you. We'll do version two. Yes, sir. <laughs> All, All right, right later, fellas. Have a good one, my man. Yeah. God bless. See ya.